And we're back. From the Block to the Boardroom Podcast, episode 18. Dr. J, what's up, bro? What's going on, brother Trev? How you feeling? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. The intersection of race and sports. This is going to be a good conversation. Absolutely, this man. This is going to be real good. But before we go there, let me start with our mental health check-in. Yeah. How you doing? How you feeling, brother? I'm feeling good. Um, I got to see you all over the weekend. Uh, we had two of our college friends, uh, my personal sans, Spring 09, shout out Binghamton, um, get married over the weekend. Very nice event. Very good to see everyone. Had a good time. Um, it just dawned on me, bro. We're midway through July, so the summer's wrapping up. So I'm also trying to make sure I stay focused. Stay focused on my 2021 goals. I saw a very good video um, that talked about right around July is a good time to reevaluate the stuff that you said end of December, early January, and see if you're still on track to actualize those things by the end of December of this year. So, um, summer's been going pretty well, but I have been slacking off a little bit on those PMP classes I was telling you about for that yes. exam. So, definitely putting the gas back on it because it kind of goes at my own speed. The quicker I get it done, the quicker I can sit for the exam, take it, get it, get, get the certification. So, there's a minimum of 30 hours of coursework I have to complete first. Kind of been dragging my feet. It's nice outside, this, that, you know. But, um, going to get back on that make sure i hold myself accountable and get that done as that was one of my 2021 goals um outside of that feeling good bro um i'm just going to make a personal pledge to myself to just continue to take advantage of the summer um i haven't really done a lot of you know i go for bike rides and things like that but i want to maybe go on a hike or something do some do something nature wise that once the cold weather comes i can't really take advantage of that so i want to definitely make sure from now till end of to labor day I just make sure I do like something in the outdoors once a week. Take advantage of that. But all is well, bro. All is well. Glad to have this conversation. Um, curious to see how the NBA Finals is going to end. Um, I really want to see CP3 get one. But I also do like Giannis. I like I like his work ethic, work ethic. I like the way he plays. So I wouldn't be mad at it either way. I guess I could just more deal. I would more favor a Suns victory because I feel like Giannis might have a bigger window to get here again. I don't think Chris Paul will ever get here again if he doesn't do it right now. So let's see how it goes. But I will say Saturday we missed the, uh, the game because of the wedding. But I did not think that it was going to drop that ball at home. I did not think that. That was interesting. Things happen. Things yeah. happen. But how you feeling, bro? Talk to me. Uh, I'm doing good, man. And it's, it's, it's good, to, good to hear and see you. I mean, I am still elated coming off of Saturday. Elated. And... Ooh, that was a good one. <laughs> Come on, SAT word. Uh Elated, just being around all that love from Saturday at Lucerne and Rashid's wedding. Congratulations on the newlyweds, the, the abilities. Um, I think it was just dope because for me it was like a true Binghamton love story. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, a couple that stay with each other, stick with each other. And then it was great to see all of those Binghamton people there. So I was really happy about that. I uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, good night of dancing and having fun. I think... Um, Personally, I'm more so at a spot right now where I'm in, I feel like I'm at a transitional period right now where I've accomplished some of the things I wanted to accomplish. Um, running this vaccine clinic, um, like I'm chair of the School of Nursing right now, but transitioning to what's the next phase of for me, right? And I think a lot of times people feel like you transition or you worry about, um, let's call it morphing, just because things aren't going well, you need to get out. But sometimes right. things go great, 
but you come to the end of that stage. And you need and, to continue to elevate. And yeah. you got to go, and it's, you know, time to do something next. Right. And so for me, I'm I'm trying to be be still. You know, like that um, that old slain, I was like, when you be still, God talks to you. Mm. Um, I feel like this year, or really before this year, for like the past year and a half, really, since COVID hit, um, really before COVID hit, honestly, like I've been doing a lot of just letting things move me instead of trying to dictate things. Mm. Uh, and I feel like, I feel like it's, you know, it's just been God's voice a lot of the times just moving and dictating. So I'm at the point where I'm doing that now again. Uh, I think I'm about to get into some businesses, whether it's trucking, whether it's some healthcare businesses. That's something I really want to explore as my next level. Uh, do some more consulting as the next level. So um, I got a promising thing that may be happening with through a Cornell uh, through a grant that Well Cornell Hospital has, doing citizen scientists uh, for black men and lung health. So um, looking forward to that, um, and that's really where I'm at, brother. That's um, dope, bro. Enjoying. Let me song. ask you this though: Did you know? I know, I know that was a transition in itself. Would you say that you enjoyed your time on the education side of nursing, or is your passion more so actually practicing? It's both um, because one feeds the other. Right. And I think right. a lot of people don't realize that it's a it's really a circle. And I learned that in my doctorate program before it was you either teach or you practice. Right. Uh, and I really learned that you really shouldn't be doing one without the other. Like mm -hmm. no offense to right, people who right, just right. do one. But when you practice, you learn about a lot of the stuff that you got to teach people. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And when yep. you teaching people. Right. Like you should be you're teaching them how to actually practice. So it's, it's a constant, yep. right? Like it's a constant circle. So I enjoy both. I think running this vaccine clinic gave me a chance to do both because right. it was dealing with the partnership side and being like an executive, an administrator. But then also I did a lot of actually being on the front line and handing out the vaccines and conducting things. So um, I, I enjoy both, brother. Good, man. Good. Well, listen, I mean, I, th I think that was a, a very interesting transition for you and it sounds like it's already started to bear fruit, even just the perspective of how you even see nursing. So, you know, I'm curious as, as one of your boys to see what, what, what the next what the next transition um, is for you. But either way, I'm sure it'll be upward. Either way, I'm sure it'll be upward. But that's good stuff, bro. Glad to hear you're doing well. Hope all our listeners are doing well. So right now, here we are in the summer. The NBA finals are coming to a close. The Olympics are getting ready to start up. Um Football is still in the off season. This, this, this. Sometimes this is kind of considered the downtime of sports, but I guess because it's an Olympic year, it actually there is some stuff. But there's been quite a few stories and quite a few things taking place that bring us to the topic that we want to discuss, which is the intersection of race and sports. Um, the first big one I would want, I would like to put on the floor, which even goes back to a documentary I remember seeing on the Fab Five: Jalen Rose, Chris Webber, Jawan Howard, all those guys. Mm -hmm. um, this conversation goes back for a while. You had the O'Bannon brothers at UCLA, and they filed a suit back in the late 90s. This goes back quite a while. But now you have what's called the NIL, Name, yep. Image, and Likeness, right? So NCAA is doing away with this quote-unquote amateur status and now are allowing NCAA athletes to legally profit off their name and likeness. Prior to this ruling, you would have been in violation of NCAA rules and regulations, could lose your scholarship, uh, 
uh, be kicked out of the university. Reggie Bush lost his Heisman off of something similar to this, things of that nature, which I wonder if they're even going to revisit if he should get it back or uh, that that's a topic in itself. I trust it. But, um, you know, Jay, you know college sports way more than I do. Let's 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 have you kick off the conversation in terms of what does all this even mean? Um, what should athletes, particularly athletes of color who may not have exposure to signing contracts and things of that, what should they be mindful of now that they're able? You know, this this could be a good thing, but it's going to also be a double-edged sword if you're not aware of who you're signing with and what the deal may uh, entail. But for the most part, I think we are of the opinion that this is a good thing because a lot of athletes, especially D1 football and basketball players at these large programs, bring in millions of dollars into these universities. And the scholarship that the university gives them is, is in terms of an investment, it's, it's a very low input to put in for the output you get back out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was even reading that in some states, I think that Alabama is one of them with Nick Saban, where the football coach is the highest paid state employee, right? Because they're state university, right? So the highest paid public employee is the football coach of, you know, that respective place. So, you know, roughly we're talking, you know, if the students are getting, let's even if you say an $80,000 scholarship in tuition, room and board, the uh, different, you know, Athletic pubs, stuff you got, yeah. So let's even say you're spending eighty thousand a year, but boost it up a hundred. Let's say you're putting a hundred on, you know, Duke top top programs. I mean, when you look at the numbers that they get back from the football deals, the merch, the this that, that's a good business. <laughs> that's a good. That's a pretty good deal. So, One could argue they get back more. The university gets back more than the athlete who isn't really much of a student. But we could get into that. Dr. So, J, floor is yours. So. What the name, image, and likeness does uh, is that it really wasn't the NCAA that decided to do away with this. Right. The NCAA was forced. You had a couple of states like California, like Georgia, like Florida, that put into place that said athletes are going to be allowed to get paid. And California really was the state that sparked all of this. Uh, California is a very progressive state. Governor right? Newsom, I believe his name and is. And they said, you know what? you are no longer going to be allowed to take advantage of the athletes. And meaning that athletes, like other college, um, other college students, should be allowed to make merchandise, should be allowed to sell merchandise, because a regular college student can do this. Right. right? Like, you can have an internship. You can just you can sell shirts. Yeah. You, can, like, you can do all of this. In right. fact, in one of the most famous documentaries for 30 for, on 30 for 30 ESPN, they have... Uh, Catholics versus convicts, which is about Notre Dame versus Miami. One of the things that sparks it is that Notre Dame, Notre Dame doesn't have Greeks. They go by their dorm buildings. Okay. The dorms would make competing shirts and sell them. Um. And one of those shirts said Catholics versus convicts. And the student was making money hand over fist. It's nothing illegal about that. And the convicts right? was for the U because of just the yeah. image that the U the, had. The, the foolishness. So, um, meaning the foolishness from Notre Dame. Right. So... You have people that can make money while they're in college, right? Mark Zuckerberg founded Facebook Facebook while he was in college. College football players aren't allowed to do any of this. College basketball players aren't allowed to do any of this. And for the longest, NCAA was like, well, they're amateurs. They're getting other things. Even if there's people on full scholarships that still can make money off of their own name. Mm -hmm. So the state stepped in. They outlawed it. They said players can do it. It really made the NCAA 
have to decide to make it legal for all players. Mm. Because what was going to happen was on July 1st, uh, certain states was going to allow example, it. Yep. So, like Florida, for example. And that would have gave Florida an unfair advantage in recruitment because players there would have been able to make money. Right. Right. So um, I think it's great. You do have to be careful, though, because the more people get independence to make money, the more scammers come into play. Yep. The more people, more business people that want to sign them to slave contracts, the more people want to pay you in flashy money, but it's not really your work. Right. Uh, so which, one of the dopest things I feel is, so the University of Miami has been at the forefront of NIL, meaning like the NIL dropped at midnight. At midnight, like three Miami players announced deals that they had, right? They announced a whole market where they was going to help other players do it. And what Miami had been doing was bringing in experts to talk to their players about NIL. Mm. These are some of the things you should look for. These are some of the deals you want. These are some of the deals you don't want. This is some of the language to look for. These are some of the representatives you want. These are the representatives who have bad names because they've been raping players, right? There's a whole ESPN doc, um, 30 for 30 called Going Broke, talking about all of the major athletes yeah. that made millions and went broke because of bad deals, because of bad agents. So they've been really doing a good job of this because the University of Miami as a whole, if you was an athlete at Miami, you can go back and get your NBA for free afterwards, right? Which is another thing that's absolutely amazing. So if you got a university like that, you're in great hands. If you at a university that kind of feels like you shouldn't be allowed to do this, so they aren't going to protect you. We're doing you a favor. They're going to allow their players to do to right, sign right. bad deals. Yeah. Right? So I think it's great because a large portion of college athletes that are in places to make money, football, basketball mainly, mm -hmm. are black athletes. Huh? A large portion of them comes from underserved communities. Yep, from working class, right? lower class families, exactly. So if you can make some money to take care of your family, if you can make some money to help moms with the rent while you're gone, right? If you can make some money to put it in your own pocket and, hey, right, over four years, buy your own house right. on top of the free education that you got, right. then why not? Because right? numbers are everyone's not going to go pro or have this super long, sustained career. It's single digits yep. in terms of who go pro. Yep. Right when you look at all of those athletes, so if you can, it's great. Yep. Um, I do think you worry again. People need they need the proper training, right? Because right, I don't absolutely. even major athletes that sign million dollar right. deals so, need the proper tri exactly. training. So right. now you're talking about even younger individuals. Yep. Right, because now technically yep. you could do it in high school too now, because in high school you technically wasn't allowed to do it. Because you will lose your eligibility for college. Right. All right. Yep. Yep. Right. That's so true. now it allows people to do it regardless, which is something that I really love and enjoy. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, and people, they've been coming up with all sorts of things. There's people that have like they own drinks or shakes at restaurants. There's um, two players. Um, a site just announced that they're going to be signing players to exclusive interviews. Right. So. A player has to do an interview for mm. any kind of weekly obligation that the college or the university has. Right, right, right. But that's very minimum compared to what major athletes do. Now, let's say you want to have your own podcast. You can do that. The college players can do that before. Right. Right? Because they can get sponsorships. But now you can also go give, and they're, they're giving $10,000 for exclusive interviews. And it's like only right. that content, only, only that particular platform has that player. So right. now that kind of forces you as if you're a fan 
of that school or that particular player. Now you got to subscribe to that page or that whatever that medium is in order to hear the Julius yes. Johnson interview. But you gotcha. also it also makes the power start, players start understanding their worth now. Right now, when a university comes to you and go, "Yo, we aren't contracted with this person." Well, let me ask you that. That's a good point. Does this create a little bit of a divide, maybe, on teams between those star players and those players that maybe don't have that same level of notoriety? So is, is this a possibility? It depends. It definitely can, because it depends on team dynamics. You know, especially if you have a player who might have. You know, think about like when Zion was in college, all mm -hmm. the huge, you know, collegiate names. Um, somebody who has like a million dollar endorsement deal, a million dollar endorsement deal versus his uh, significant Some others other. who, you know, may just have the local Chick Fil A, maybe a little. So side, you know, it it all depends. You also have so again, I'm gonna keep referring to University of Miami, not just because I went there, right, but because they're at the forefront. So their quarterback, Derek King, one of the things he did was decide. Some of the deals he gets, he going to bust down with the entire so that's team. that's real. Okay, that's right? good. Some that's of the good. other players have been like, all right, cool. Some of the money we get, we'll bust down with the entire team. Okay, that's good. So, uh, perfect example, the top MMA boxing gym that trains fighters, located in Miami, alumni of Miami. Well, they're all across the country, but their major headquarters mm -hmm. is in Miami. They announced that they will give every player on scholarship on a football team, 91 players, mm -hmm. $500 every month for the year, which totals $6,000, right? It's a commitment of over $540,000, right? So that's one of the ways of saying, yo, look, they'll do this for all of us. So instead of me going, give me $40,000 to promote you, bust it down with everybody. I'll take $6,000 right. as long as all of my people could take $6,000, right? So when you have deals like that, that's fair. That helps grow the team. That's definitely fair. I was just thinking because... Right. Similar to kind of like why some people, some sports purists, why they say they like college sports mm -hmm. more so than professionals because that money fact is not there and that can change things. And, you know, this is kind of a win-win for the NCAA because now they don't have... Because remember the argument was they, should, they need to pay players. Yep. So and now they don't got to pay... They're, they're not the ones paying the players. Businesses, corporations, they're just doing deals with players just they're just allowing it yep. but it doesn't ncaa and the university themselves aren't losing any money Crazy right enough, they're also getting paid off of it because if a player wants to use the likeness of the university they got to give them a you percentage have to get the trademark off ah, of it to use interesting it. look at right? that so but then also you got to be careful with the state that you live in a state like georgia um and i could be wrong but i think georgia legalized that you can the university can take up to like 50 to 70 percent oh, of, of, of the, the deal. deal. Wow. Right. But of course, a big program like University of Georgia had to automatically come out and say, we are not going to take any of the money. Okay. Right. Because right. it puts you at a disadvantage going against Alabama. Right. Right. Going against right. Florida. Right. Right. Like where they're not allowed. Like why to would I that. go play for this school when you guys are going to take yeah. my money? Right. Yeah. So. So, yeah, that, that was just a little interesting dynamic, I thought, um, especially, especially probably even more so college football, where there's so many plays. You know, you think about, like, mm -hmm. that star quarterback, star wide receiver versus, like, the old lineman. It could kind of lead to little team dynamics where it's like, yeah, we all, you know, college student athletes, but this um, guy's a house. I don't, because, you know, we always had household names, but now he's a household name. He's in a whole yeah. different earning bracket as a result. 
does that start to lead to like I don't need you know kind of like booby miles you know kind of yeah. right? you, you worry about that because yeah. especially in football you need each other right right and like you can't right. there is no good football teams with just one player on it right it's right. not like basketball where it's right. give me the ball get out the way right 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 so you start but I like I like that the players are coming together that's I like good that what you said about the Miami guys that's real that's yeah. that's real especially in football it's just everyone's not going to have the same level of name, image, and likeness profitability. You know, that star quarterback, that star running back, his deals is going to be crazily different from an uh, O-Lyman. You know, mm -hmm. if anyone even knows who that guy is. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Well, progressive, man. I like to see that. Um, Shikari Richardson, LSU track star, was huge in the news with uh, some of the times and the impressive races that she was running leading up to the olympics the olympic trials but unfortunately will not be joining team usa will not be running because she tested positive for marijuana there was mm -hmm. a lot of um i don't want to say outcry but a lot of uh sentiment shared from our particular community um and i think that's because we understand that it's a banned substance we understand and i think a lot of even former track athletes said themselves they understand that there's rules and regulations but I think this is where the intersection of race and sports comes down to where just even analyzing the rule itself as to, well, why is marijuana specifically one of the banned substances and where we currently are in the state of uh, where marijuana is going with corporations and things of that nature. Maybe this is something that we need to revisit. Maybe this incident, not saying that she didn't, she wasn't in the wrong, just following what is protocol and what is rules at the current time but maybe this whole incident makes us need to reevaluate what even is right or wrong or what we view this substance in the world of athletics um i know the nba last year had either pulled all the way back or is taking measures to pull back testing for marijuana yeah. for uh players because they you know want to lay off with things like opioids and those kind of painkillers and things of that nature but you know well, where we are right now with this incident, track and field, what, what are your thoughts on um, this particular story? Like, I really feel like a lot of times I hear people say she broke the rule and the rules are the rules, right? And my thing is, I looked at it under a scope of kind of like what you said. The rules are the rules, but is there a problem with the actual rule? Right? So my thing isn't whether she broke the rule or not. Right? She broke the rule, she's going to be punished. But let me look at this actual rule. Right. Let's revisit right? it. Yeah. And when you look at... Marijuana is really... It's just really used to criminalize black and brown people. Like, let's keep it above. Yeah. Right? Like, when you look at the people in jail or arrested for marijuana, 90-something percent of them tend to be black or brown. Right? So it starts bordering racism for me. And then I look at it... Let me look at it from a healthcare perspective. The, they have marijuana listed as what we call a level one drug, meaning that there's no benefit at all to it. Mm. But we know that's not true, right? And then you also have, um, before she even came mm. out about um, Shakara Richardson, you had the Supreme Court Justice, um, Clarence Thomas, who is a Republican, but said, yo, we need to revisit our federal guidelines in terms of marijuana because they're outdated clarence uncle tom uncle yes tom, <laughs> thomas said that yes wow right so you have this scenario of everybody knows that this should not be a banned substance mm -hmm. like we all know it the states have begun to legalize it people are profiting particularly off of it. i don't mean to cut you jay if we're talking about athletics 
marijuana is not when you think about banned substances you think about things that might give someone a competitive edge things that will unbalance the athletic performance um in favor of the, the person who's taking it marijuana is not a sports enhance it's not it's not an ability enhancer right it's not like steroids or different other banned substances which give a competitive edge yeah it's not going to keep you awake it's not right. going so that that's my biggest problem because i often like telling people be very careful when you start saying things like the rules are the rules because at one point separate but equal was a rule mm-hmm. right at, at one point um certain sexes not being allowed to participate in things like me as a man wasn't allowed to be a nurse because I wasn't born a woman, right? That was an actual rule, right? Slavery was an actual mm-hmm. rule. So when we looking at it, interracial marriages, the list goes on and on. Right. So the right we, to, to, to freedom of choice. Avoid, so yeah, so yeah. it's it's not the rules are the rules because if the rules are wrong, we need to change the rules, and that's yep. how I feel about her. But shout out to that to that young queen. I hope you bounce back, and I Absolutely. hope you stay great. Absolutely, and I mean, I'm sure she'll bounce back. She's still young, bro. Um, what what I think might even be greater in her legacy, because she will bounce back. I, I'm pretty confident in in, in the sport. Um, would be even dope to her legacy is not only the next Olympics she goes to, but if this happening to her does lead to a whole change of marijuana in sports, particularly. Yeah. You know, like that. That's even larger than what she'll go on to do when she gets to the next Olympics and further on her track career. Right. That one of the, one of those problems is the just That's a good thirty IOC for thirty right itself. there. Yeah. With the IOC itself though, it's not just America running. Right, it's an international yeah. thing. And um as we even saw intersection of race and sports, as we even saw the little mix up with uh James Harden and Little Baby when they went to Paris for um fashion week about yeah. a week ago, two weeks ago, just you know, the the view on marijuana as as much as progressive as it has been here in the States lately it's not like that all over Outside the world. Of the it's, it's just not like that, and for a variety of reasons. But we'll 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 break that down on another another conversation. So keeping it with the IOC um, Olympics coming up, and another uh, regulatory agency, FINA, FINA, that regulates uh, swimming and diving internationally. There's a cap, um, and. Myself, uh, I swam for years competitively. Shout out uh, New Finman Swimming, one of the few all-black and Latino swim clubs in New York City. Um, shout out the Village of Hempstead. Used to swim there as well. Um, and also swam briefly at Binghamton University um, fall 2007. I'm familiar with, with, um, with swim caps. Hate them personally. Certain pools, certain um, events, um, you have to wear a swim cap. Um, I personally got a big dome. I got a big head, so I never liked wearing them joint. The 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 silicone ones are just like clamping down on your head, gives you a headache. Um, but I don't even have hair like that, so it's not really that big of a deal. But particularly for um, black swimmers, people of color swimmers, people who have natural hair, curly hair, and particularly black women swimmers. And you know, I was thinking about my mom reminding me of this. It's funny when I was younger swimming. I would say there was an even amount of, like, boys and girls, right? And my mom even reminded me of this. As we got older, particularly by the time we got to high school, the amount of girls, and my mom told you it was an all-black and um, Latino uh, swim team, um, by the time we got to, like, high school, sophomore year of high school, the amount of boys left that were still on the team active was far more outweighed the amount of women that we had on the team. And that's because by that age now, you know, we're a little bit more conscious of our looks, this, that, women, and, and the hair 
becomes a big problem. The chlorine in mm-hmm. your hair and different. So, so a lot of um, a lot of my peers um, who are black women who are who are fast who. I'm sure could have gone on and done great things in the sports naturally kind of fell out from swimming because, you know, swimming just didn't go hand in hand with the hair anymore, you yeah. know, and, and what it was doing to the hair or the hairstyles that they were trying to wear at the time. So that's even an aspect of how the swimming community is not even aware because it's not only a white dominated sport, similar to sports like tennis, golf, things of that nature, but it's also a rich white dominated sport, an elite sport, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have to have access to pools and, um, you know, swim club membership isn't as, you know, cost efficient as maybe playing basketball in the park and, and other things. There's a, there's a whole lot, when you really think about it, there's a whole lot of elements that kind of keep certain sports more in a wealthy family than more so something that kind of anyone can jump into and, and, and make a lane. Um, but there's this cap called the soul cap that um, allows if you have, you know, large curly hair, large natural hair for it to properly enclose your hair. Um, doesn't give you any kind of advantage in the water. If anything, one could argue the more hair actually more resist actually makes you slower. If anything, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, dreadlocks probably would not be, the smartest hairstyle to have for a competitive swimmer, right? But I'm sure if a, a man or woman with dreads wanted to still kill it, they could, you know? But I say that to say is that this is not something, it goes back to what we were saying with Shakari Richardson. This is not something, the soul cap is not giving you any kind of advantage. If anything, it's just helping you to uh, keep the hairstyle that you like and protect your hair, right? Now, there's a swimmer, I forgot her name. She swims for the for, for Great Britain, for England. Um, and she's one of the ambassadors and she wears the soul cap. And unfortunately for her, uh, right around the start of when Olympics was kicking off, when the trials were taking place, things of that nature, um, the FINA that regulates swimming and diving said that they are going to ban the soul cap. And it's not even so much, it, it, their, their logic really shows how unaware they are of the fact that all your all all of the members of your sport are not just Caucasian athletes. They said, "Well, elite swimmers don't require such a cap." Well, yeah, that's because for the longest time, the demographic that dominated the sport that you considered elite, they wouldn't have a need for such a cap because they don't have this type of hair texture, nor do they have these type of hairstyles. Right? Uh, most of the women tend to just have. Uh, a straight hairstyle, and a lot of the men, if you look at Ryan Lochte, you look at uh, Michael Phelps, those guys, pretty short, you know, cut, not a lot of hair, things of that nature, but hair that it, that's that's fine when it gets wet, chlorine gets to things of that nature. So there was a, 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 a large response from, from um, not only our community, not only the black community, but overall was saying, was like, this ruling is racist. Like, this is a cap that helps black athletes for their particular hair. You know, the, the current cap, the standard cap that's worn is just not appropriate for black athletes' hair. And I could I could attest to that. I've seen it, you know, even my short haircut, I, I know what that, that, that cap feels like. Um, and now it's under review. The Olympics is starting soon, so I don't know, I don't know uh, how long it's going to take before a decision is made. But just goes to show how much we have to do between the intersection of race and sports, that something like this could even take place. You know, um, I see like the hairstyle your daughter has, Leanna has, and maybe she mm-hmm. might want to get into um, competitive swimming. 
And Leanna's probably going to want to wear a soul cap. Yeah. And similar to a lot of the girls that I used to swim with, without the soul cap, Leanna might get to high school, you know, and be like, ah, oh, dad, I don't really want to swim anymore because, you know, I, I remember, like, it's a process. They got to do all this deep conditioning, this, this, that. And I, I saw, like, a lot of fast black female swimmers kind of fall back from the sport because of the hair aspect, you know? So... You know, Finna, get get it together, man. Get 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 tuned in, get tapped in. The sport is changing. You don't only have Caucasian swimmers who are making up these Olympic teams. Um, and you know, be more inclusive. Realize realize that this cap serves a purpose. And I, I feel like this is stuff that the IOC does, right? Like they are either uninformed on don't politics, care. things that's going on, or they really don't care. Right, you think about uh, the Olympics. Like we all love to show Tommy Smith and John Carlos putting their fists in the air. Yep. Right, but you don't talk about what the IOC did to them after that, and effectively banning them from. Couldn't even, could even get a working. Couldn't even get a working job when they got back to the states. Right, like this is this is stuff what the IOC does. Right, um, and until we start getting representation on that IOC board and changing the way things yeah. are. Because there are a ton of black athletes. Wasn't before? Wasn't there like talks like two months? I don't know if it came from the IOC or the host committee in Tokyo themselves. Wasn't there talks that they weren't going to tolerate any like protest or, protest or no, political not talks? They made it. They made it the no rule. Black Lives Matter shirts or nothing yes. like yeah, right? No Black Lives Matter, no fists in the air, no doing none of that, right? Who does that come from? IOC themselves or, IOC. or Tokyo? IOC, okay. right? Like IOC has the insight. Mm. Tokyo has some say in it because mm. their country but IOC is the one who make the rules right right, right? because Olympics, yeah. the IOC also could leverage Tokyo in, in terms of okay cool you made all of these billions of dollars of investment to host the Olympics yeah these are our rules and if you're not going to let us abide by our rules you we're going to snatch it from you right right you know how much money they didn't end up losing and not right. being able to make their money back so this is IOC and and I feel like what IOC does a lot is announce this mm. and then step in the background and try to make it seem like it's the host country problem. Mm, mm, no, mm. it's you. It's mm. your rules. It don't matter who's hosting us, it's still your rules we're right, playing by. Right. Um so I feel like IOC has a history of doing this and I think we really need to get representation as black athletes on IOC and start talking about what can make things better. Agreed. Right? Like that that's how I feel. Agreed. That's that that's really how the change can come about. Um Another another topic that that took place the Euro Cup just wrapped up. Uh, it was England versus Italy, and it's funny because there's a, a from an old folk song. There's a, a slogan of football coming home. Um, the English argue that uh, they might have been some of the early inventors of the sport, and from that song, essentially, when the chip comes home to England, uh, it's it, it's back to where it should be. Uh, this English team did the best that it's done in 55 years, reaching this point, reaching the final. Um, unfortunately, in overtime, it came down to penalty kicks, and it just so happened that uh, three of the kicks that were missed, uh, the three players that missed the kicks were England's uh, black players. Um, one is of Trinidadian descent. Another one, I believe, is of Guinean descent. Forgot where the other one comes from. Um, but... They're, uh, you know, children of, of immigrants to, to, to England. Mm -hmm. And one of them particularly, uh, he's on Rock Nation Sports Management too, Marcus Rashford. I think he plays for Man, Man United when he's not playing for, for Nationals. Mm -hmm. um, man, he's, his, his, his f uh, philanthropy 
is 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 up there in athletics, respected by you know guys like LeBron and all of that. Um, last year when we had the pandemic in full swing, um, my man donated millions to pro a program that he was running to um, help combat child pop um, starvation. Um, there was a a big issue with access to foods. Um, in some of the inner city parts of London. So I don't know if you guys, you know, familiar um, with shows like Top Boy and things like that, but it kind of shows a little mm -hmm. light into, you know, I think some people forget that like London's a very old city. And not only that, you have immigrants from all over, like poverty is very real there, like very, yeah. very real, you know? So um, you do have a lot of children, depending on what the economic situation is, who go without. But here's a man who has done a lot off the field. Um, and this is something I've never liked in sports, period, where it's like they judge athletes almost more by their athletic ability or, or latest thing they've done athletically, more so than the actual character of the person that they are. I personally feel like LeBron gets that a lot, too. But um, it was very disgusting to see uh, Marcus Rashford had a mural that was defaced. Um, it was good to see afterwards, though, that some local townspeople... Um, cleaned up the mural and, and, and covered it with hearts and there was a, a like a I wouldn't want to say a protest but just a, a a movement there to show that their love and respect for him but it got very nasty it got very nasty after those three black players missed the penalty kicks um there were phrases going around being graffitied and being put on social media and said that you know that the niggers spoiled the championship this that um and it just kind of goes to show how they were never really welcomed on that team to begin with, right? Um, there's another player on the team who's right below the captain, Raheem Sterling. Um, he's British, but he actually wasn't born in um, England. He was born in Jamaica, migrated early with his mom, became a citizen, so forth and so on. But, you know, his Britishness is often put in question in, in, in terms, in, in such in, uh, situations like that. And it just goes to show, you know, had they won, had football, in fact, come home, how they would have been heroes, but because they lost, the niggas spoil the chip. Yeah. They're not real Brits. They're not real Englishmen, you know? And it just goes to show that their citizenship, right? Because, you know, when you when you say, when you take a, a stand on Black Lives Matter or something like that, here in the States, England as well, it's, you should be, you know, it, it's almost like you're, you're questioning your allegiance to the nation. Mm -hmm. You know, don't disrespect the flag. Don't, dis, you know, things of that nature. But look how look how easily your citizenship could be disregarded or put in question when you can't provide something, when you when you, when when you miss the ball, you miss the shot, you you, you don't you, you you in that particular moment you you don't deliver the result that the fans wanted. It's no longer about who you are as a person, what do you do, what principles you stand on, because you cannot athletically provide the feeling or, or deliver the victory that I want in a particular moment, you no longer are equal in this society. You are no longer valid. Absolutely. And I, I feel like it's one of those, you good for me if you can, if I can use you, if I can make money right. off yep. of you. And it's it like, it sucks because you have people that they're playing a sport, but they're playing something that's their passion, that they love, that they're obviously giving their all to. Right. And it's not even like they got blown out. It was a tie game and they went to overtime, Came which is penalty kicks. Yep. Right. So you have this furthest they've been in 55 years. Right. And it's like yeah. I've, I've brought you further than anybody else. And I remember reading one of their posts. He had took a break from social media. He just right. came back. He put out a post 
And he was like, yo, I thank everybody for the support that they've given me, the love I felt, all of this. He's like, but I really just want to put Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on blast for giving these racist people even the tools they or, need yeah, yeah. to attack people. Because mm-hmm. he's like, yo, I don't want no other player to ever feel this way. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, yes, I'm giving you my time, my dedication, all of this. I'm not giving you my life. Right? Like, it's not yours to curse me out about. It's not your. I understand we have country pride. But our country pride, you cannot overroll your country pride for something that we play a game in and that I come up short. And I think people have to understand that because it happens in some sports where sports fans just go too far, right? Like you look at the NBA and they throwing stuff on players. Football used to be one of those things for the longest where it was acceptable for fans to like spit on players, throw beer on players. And I'm not talking about black fans. It was acceptable. It was acceptable for these white fans who were the ones who more so can afford to go to these games, who were lifetime members, who had their lifetime um, tickets passed down from parents, right? To do all of this. It's just been recently within the past year of, yo, this is unacceptable, right? right? And as wild as we thought the Ron Artest fight was, it really took that to make all sports start looking at, yo, if the players start running in the fence and fucking people up, we're going to have a problem. Right. Right? So, yeah, they they banned and made an example out of that Pacer team, but they had to start looking at the fans themselves. And, and what they... Had a, bro, what they could do. Great example. Saturday night, um, um, one of the one of the fans in Yankee Stadium threw a baseball and hit one of the Red Sox out, out outfielders in the back. Right, like it's while he's you, in the outfield. Yes, right. Like you can't go. What if you would have hit him in his head, cause him to have seizures? All this? you can't go that far. Right. You understand? Like you have to understand that these players are not your property. They are employees. Like say, that, em- say that again. These players are not your property. Your employees are not your property. Like you have to understand that. Well, bigger than that, the fans. Like, cause yeah, you don't even own a team. You're just a fan. You just watch the sport. So you know, particularly like that. Like you said, okay, country pride. You know, good to see your country win. But you know, and and, and root for them. But these are athletes who spent years crafting their sport. They're not. <laughs> they're definitely not your property because they're not even the the person, the stakeholders, the team that own the team. They're not even their property, right? <laughs> the business folks that actually run the team. Much as a fan. Absolutely. And um, I think you see it a lot with uh, players like uh, LeBron and, and, and sometimes even Kevin Durant. They kind of do a good job. Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. of kind of just reminding folks, like, you guys are a fan of the sport. And, you know, sports is something that uh, kind of – Brings a lot of people together. We rally behind it. It's a pastime amongst multiple cultures, various sports, different countries. Some sports are bigger than big, bigger than others. But uh, this whole idea of like fans thinking that they can just demean someone because they're an athlete or that they can it that culture has to shift. That culture just has to shift completely. And there's a large racial aspect to it and an idea of you owe me this or you're not valid if you can't do this there's a large racial aspect to that which is what we're talking about here the intersection of race and sports last thing i'll talk about on this race and uh intersection of race and sports topic with you i was watching espn this morning as i was working and i noticed that the recent six hirings that took place um of black head coaches there were six black head coaches hired um 
over the, during this off season now brought the total number up to thirteen. Well, There's seven, seven out of eight now. Seven, that okay, they just announced. So that's uh, so I'm not sure if that mentioned the thirteen or fourteen, but there's thirty teams in the league. So that's almost fifty percent, which. You know, the league is more than 50% black oh, in yeah. terms of athletes. <laughs> so you would hope that there would be more than 50% of that reflected in the coaching percentage. But still, compared to what we're used to, you look at the NFL, you look at college, that's impressive. Very. very. That's very impressive. And I, I think it's one of those where the NBA has been very progressive, right? Um, and the NBA has also acknowledged some of the black talent. They've, they've done a lot of this where they go... Our smart players are not just the white athletes. Because right. for a lot of time throughout the history of sports, it's been that way. Right. Even as black athletes started dominating, coming more, oh, the smart ones, though, is white, right? Which well, is Remember, why they, women in the NFL for a long, in football period in culture, was that uh, the black man wasn't intelligent enough to, to, play, quarterback. to play quarterback. Right. Didn't have the intellectual capacity to uh, run an offense. But you start looking at now, the most talented quarterbacks are now the black quarterbacks, right? They're starting to take over. Um, so it's good that the NBA has been this progressive, right? Right, um, and I'm happy to see that. I hope it's translate to success. One that's important, but also when you look at the final four teams in the NBA, right? It was the Suns versus the Clippers, two black head coaches, Tyrone Lue and Monty Williams, and then the Bucks and Atlanta. Atlanta, and, those and you have two name Millen and Atlanta, right? So one, so it was three black coaches, yep. right? The finals is one black coach versus the white coach. So it's good to see these coaches also have success. Having success too. Right? Yep. Because black coaches are held to such a higher standard. Mm -hmm. Like you look at the NFL, y'all lie to you not, bro. And you Stephen A said that this morning too. Also them coming into less uh failure operation type jobs. Yes. Kinda like what uh what's uh Paul Silas's son's name that, that took over Houston. And I was oh, like yeah, right? like I was like, damn bro, like my man like, been waiting so many years to get a job and it's like this is the one I this get. is the one he walks into. Like, right. So it's just hard like, those a fit the first week, this that like Like yeah. th those things suck. Yeah. Right. So it's see it's good to see that, yo, look, out of your final four coaches, three of them was black. Right? I love to see stuff like that. It don't just have to be the top assistant. Because when you look at sports like, for example, when you look at... Phoenix also has... Um, Monty Williams. Not, not only that, their uh, their GM is it's the next to play yes. uh, Miami. Damon um, Jones, right? Yes. That's his name? Damon Jones? Is it? Not Damon Jones. What's um, his name? It's Damon Jones was the short, light-skinned one. You well, he was on that team. Jones. Yeah. His name is yeah, Jones. He's a, yeah. He's well, he was on that he's, team. He's, on the he's team a GM. Long. He's yeah. a GM. Yep. Right? But these are great things that I love to see. Um you look at the NFL, there be white coaches that get jobs, and you kind of go, you sucked at your last place, right? right? Like, you went like 6 and 18. How do you get another job, <laughs> right? But they be like, no, you know, good old white boys club, let's go ahead and hire James him. Jones. James Jones. Right? So, um, I'm hoping that it really starts, you start seeing that translation over to football with yeah. so many black athletes, right? Hopefully that start trickling down even into college football, right? Like you look at, look at Deion Sanders. He had to go to a lower tier school to get a head coaching right, job. Right, right, right. You look at, um, um, cause uh, Eddie George went over and took he over went to Tennessee HBC State. Also, right, yeah. right. Now Eddie George went to Ohio State, but he uh, coaching out of uh, that's what I'm saying. Coaching, yeah, he's yeah. at Tennessee State, right? Like you look at, I remember Ed Reed who has been considered. The smartest safety to ever play football. Has like, the U offered him people anything? People love Edward, Tom Brady, yeah, right? Yeah. On Tom Brady's wrist, where he, all his plays are, the top of it says, find number 20. 
which is fine wherever Ed Reed is mm, on the field before you even call a play. And then at the end of it, it goes, find number 20 again. Right? Like, you see how important and how smart this man was. Yeah, right? man, Ed Reed was amazing. So, um, Miami offered him his the head of, um, shit, is it head of operations? It's some position that he is, he ha- he still has. Okay. But he's been telling people, like, yo, I want to be a coach. coach. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I want to be a head Coach, where I have to, I have the power to do all these things. Did Ed Reed I, win one at while he was at the U? I think he did, right? He's a part of that team. Yeah. Wasn't he on that Bro, team? Ed Reed, Ed Reed, Ed, so the the years that Ed Reed came, when they first got there, it was a bunch of them had to sign on as track athletes. That's how they got their contract, like like they scholarship, like Santana Moss. But they were actually beating people in track. Yeah. Right, um, and then they ended up being jerked out of going to a championship that they should have won. They would have won that year when they should have played Oklahoma, but instead oh, right, right, right. they sent Florida State when they beat them. The next year they went undefeated. They all left, and then that Miami team got jerked against Ohio State. So yeah, so um, I'm happy that these uh, basketball players, is, um, basketball coaches, are doing their thing and not just getting jobs but being successful. Absolutely, because you know that's what it takes. And in, in, in every field and every endeavor, you know, it takes us not only you know, getting through the door, but we got to kick the door down and, 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 and look good on the other side of the door. Oh, yeah. So then we have more of a claim to, as a reason as to, well, this is why you should put us in this position or not even put us in. This is why we deserve because we earn these positions. And this is why more of us should be here because when we get there, we do a damn good job at Absolutely. it. The intersection of race and sports. Thank you for tuning in with us. Your boy, Trev Stars, Dr. J. Another great episode, brother. Catch you soon. Absolutely. Good seeing you, brother. Peace.